We're on the move, guys. As soon as I see Judy, you need to start walking down the street because otherwise, you, right now, Amy, you need to go. Harrison, you need to go. Don't lose eyeball because I don't like this guy. He makes me nervous. Amy, you okay? Amy, Harrison, give me an update. Don't die on me now, comes. Harrison. Harrison! Talk to me! That was the moment I couldn't see or hear my kids. I didn't know if the target had done something to them or if their cover was blown. All I knew was that I was in complete panic internally and I had to make a decision. Would I go in after them and potentially blow the operation or take a deep breath and hope that they would eventually respond? From Storic Media, you're listening to Codename Siren, a true crime podcast. After that breath, the comms system came back on and I confirmed they were okay. Their cover hadn't been blown, just a brief malfunction with the comms system at a very unfortunate time. At moments like this, it can be extremely difficult to find a balance between caring for them as a mother and trusting them as operatives. As head of the operation, I do everything in my power to minimize risk when pursuing a target as dangerous as this one. Unfortunately, some variables are left to chance. And in this case, the stakes were as high as they could possibly get for me personally. I'm Nina Hobson, ex-police detective from the UK. I've worked on every crime mentionable, from murder to kidnap to stalking to fraud. I run a global investigation firm. My team of operatives range from former Secret Service, Special Forces, to ex-career criminals turned informants. I'm also a single mother of two, to two members of my team, as you heard at the top of the episode, my son Harrison and daughter Amy. One is six foot four, built like a linebacker, and the other one is five foot four. She's definitely the brains out of the two of them, and he is the muscle. Of course, they're always going to be my kids. But when they're out there on the streets, I have to remember that they're one of the team. We do all sorts of things together. Amy, being an actress, she's fantastic at undercover work. Harrison gets out of the car and I wouldn't mess with him. They both have their role and they both do it really, really well. I want to give you the insight into how we work as a company some of the things that we do that you probably do only see on television, but actually are real. But before I go into that, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in the UK with a very loving family, brother, sister, mum, dad. I decided one day while I was watching Cagney and Lacey, the best show ever, that I would be a police officer. My mum and dad were horrified and they tried to talk me out of it, but at the age of 18, I became the youngest police officer to join the British police force. I had a fantastic time, loved everything that I did, except for seeing the corruption that was internal, the sexism, the racism, the things that we hear about I was actually seeing. I decided I wanted to do something about it. 
So to start with, I went to see a lawyer and said, I want to expose the corruption within the police. And the lawyer said, if you do, there is no defence and you are going to prison for a minimum of five years. So for 10 months, I carried a secret camera that I'd had built into my body armour and I told nobody. And every day I walked into the police station feeling physically sick, thinking that this could be the last time I see my kids. Because if I get arrested, I'm going straight to prison. I sadly got lots of footage and I was able to leave. I then took the footage to a TV company and said, you have to be my voice. People have to know what's really going on. So a documentary was made, Undercover Copper. The police force were notified. I resigned. I didn't have a choice. And I was sat at home one day thinking, well, my 15 years as a detective is now over. What next? When I received an envelope in the post, beautiful gold envelope, And it was to tell me that I had been nominated and was a finalist in the UK Woman of the Year Awards for services to my country. This was the most humbling moment ever. All I'd done was my job. I hadn't saved the world. But what I had done through making the documentary was get laws and procedures in the British police changed for the better of the officers and the victims. That was an amazing moment for me. I worked with other police forces, advising them on diversity and equal opportunities. And then I left England and moved to Australia. It wasn't because I was chased out of England, or that would have been a way better story. It was because I wanted some sunshine. When I got to Australia, I decided it was time to go back into what I knew I was good at. What I only knew really was investigations and security. So I started my company, small, in a spare bedroom, and it grew very quickly into a global company. And I had offices in Africa, Dubai, England, Australia, and we did a whole heap of things, from getting on a plane and flying 16 hours to Hong Kong, doing what we need to do for 30 minutes and getting on a plane all the way back again, going to Africa to work on the front line, catching the poachers, getting out of Africa as quickly as we could because it was a shoot-to-kill policy. I was having the time of my life. It was fantastic. All of the crimes that I got involved with became personal in the sense that I just wanted to solve them. I just wanted to make the world a better place. And if it meant me doing things that other people wouldn't do, I was just privileged to be able to do that. But my kids both decided to move to America. My daughter, she left and got a scholarship to New York to do music theatre. And my son was asked to come and play football. Eventually, mum decides that it's time that she moves to America to be near her kids. It also kind of coincided with the fact that I had a hit taken out on my life, so it seemed like a really good option at the time. Yep, you heard it right. A hit was taken out on my life. It makes me feel weird just even saying it because it sounds so ridiculous. But while I was in Australia, I stumbled into a billion-dollar money laundering scam. But we'll put a pin in that for now, and we'll talk about that on the next episode. People think a PI is someone who sits with their feet on a desk. I want to give you, the listener 
a feel of how it literally is living on the edge in a real investigation dealing with real criminals. Every week, we'll be getting first-hand accounts of informants, operatives, former criminals, actual victims of the crimes that we investigate, and of course, my very own flesh and blood. I hope you enjoyed getting to know a little bit about myself and my operation. Tune in next week and we'll tell the story of how I uncovered information that caused me to have a hit put out on my life. And we'll talk to my friend Chris, a former career criminal that has some personal insight on that very subject. Until next time, I'm Nina Hobson and this has been Codename Siren. Oh, 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 o